Hi folks, uh, my name is Joseph Patrick Morris, Joe Morris, and this is Answers Heaven Speaks. We've added in a new wrinkle to that. Uh, officially, the name of the site is Answers Heaven Speaks, and thankfully to Facebook allowing this to, to happen. But when Marissa and I first started, for those of you who are just joining me, my daughter Marissa is a uh, clear channel clairvoyant. And she, she talks to lots of universe personalities. Let's put it that way. Universe personalities. And so what we're doing is we're trying to bridge the gap between Christianity and spirituality. And I keep getting reminded throughout this story of, of Jesus that he was trying, we, we just spent the whole week this week going over what uh, Jesus described as the kingdom of heaven, uh, the kingdom of God, which boils down to love God with all your heart and soul, do his will, and love your neighbor as yourself, which is a very hard thing to do. It's very easy to love your neighbor if your neighbor loves you, but how do you treat your neighbor who who doesn't like you and it's such a pity you just I probably shouldn't even do it I shouldn't even go onto the internet and see what's going on in the world because it just drags us down it every day I ask for God's will to be done in my life and when I do that I am put into this this bubble of his armor of God's armor and Marissa and I like to, t to ascribe it to being like a snow globe. Think of a snow globe. Snow globe is solid glass. You are in the center of that snow globe and you shake it up and shake it up and shake it up. And instead of snowflakes coming down, what you see are green flakes and red flakes and orange flakes and black flakes and whatever. And those are all the negativities in our life. The greed and the lust and the jealousy and and uh, just so what we want is we don't want to be peering through all those dirty ugly flakes so we ask the Holy Spirit to come in with us and, and brighten us up brighten up the Holy Spirit sitting just above us just above us Christ's Spirit is just above us just above us so when we ask for that armor of God we also ask for the Holy Spirit to come within us and when the Holy Spirit comes within us, it's like a big flash of light and it dissolves all those flakes, all those flakes that just drive us nuts. And yet we turn on the internet, we'd see what's going on in the world and all of a sudden we start getting cracks in our snow globe and in comes all this negativity and the flakes start increasing again. It's sickening what's going on in the world. It's just sickening. It's, you just, you watch evil. You just watch evil just just parading around and just thumbing their nose at us. It's really sad. It's just really sad is what it is. It's really, really sad. And speaking of sad, we're at that point in Jesus' story now that I'm starting to get a lump in my throat because I know what's going to happen. We all know what's going to happen. But... He's heading down into the belly of the beast, as I said. Uh, now, Marissa has a show today. Um, 
I bring in the basically the uh, Christianity the story of Christ, the uh, story of Jesus, and uh, so much, so much that is not in the Gospels. It's not in the Gospels. And this is not adding to the Bible. We are not adding anything to the Bible. What we're doing is we're filling in a whole lot of gaps, a lot of gaps. Now it's Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. I think it's Veterans Day. I'm a veteran. Our president didn't even acknowledge us. You know, we gave our lives. I, I gave it, uh, oh, how would I say it? I lived through a draft. And in uh, 1971, before the draft was ended, I was, I was drafted into the Army. And so I wouldn't say I went in kicking and screaming. I, I was looking at it as, oh, well, this is something that happens in our lives. And there's a lot of people that are getting drafted. Yeah, they're getting sent off to Vietnam and getting their heads blown off. I mean, just think about that war. The, uh, the GIs in Vietnam wore fatigues. That was it. Just cloth fatigues. And that's it. And went out into the jungle. They had a helmet and fatigues. I mean, look at the... Uh, look at the uh, uh, armory that that uh, modern soldiers get to wear, you know, bulletproof vests and all kinds of things, and you know that's good. That's good. That's saved a lot of people, people who have gotten their legs and their arms blown off or what have you, but they still ended up living. So you know, I tip my hat to all the veterans, all those that gave a portion of their life to their country, and thought that they were doing good. My God, my dad would just be going crazy right now. He would just absolutely be going crazy if he could see how he fought and lost so many friends. My dad lost so many, so many friends. He told me he lost 90% of his friends in, in World War II. Not just his friends that he had grown up with in New Jersey and New York. But when he went over to England and he was in a, uh, a fighter squadron, he would, he would go up in these uh, big, big uh, uh, jets. And he would sit as a gunner. He would, my dad was tall. He was about 6'1", six, 6'2". Six, Yet he would climb down into the, the, kind of the belly of the, of the plane. And he was a tail gunner, which meant that he would face backwards as the plane was going off on its mission. And it was my dad's job to shoot down planes uh, that would be coming and trying to shoot their plane down. And my dad lived. He, had, he said he had a cat. He used to take a cat with him and put it in the plane with him in that little bubble. He used to be in this little bubble underneath the plane. Can you imagine sitting in a bubble underneath a plane with a machine gun and there's nothing underneath you? Just nothing? the earth down below and then seeing planes coming and just my dad fought for this country he fought for the goodness of, of the United States and America and it is so discouraging to see people just turning the United States into a communist country right before our eyes and people are so what's the word I'm looking for so conditioned now 
so conditioned now to just to take the hate and take the lies and everything and it's just it can just shatter that that snow globe just shatters the snow globe that we live in just shatters the armor of god and it brings in all this negativity which once you allow that crack in that snow globe in comes the evil spirits and they do all kinds of weird things to your mind so just freely give your will over to god and ask god to give you peace give you peace and if it means don't open up the internet don't read about the news just don't just be happy with what you get and what you got and we're on the story now of jesus and like i say it's it's a lump in the throat time because we know we know what's going to happen we know what's going to happen to jesus now we just got done spending a week talking about the kingdom of god and the kingdom of heaven and how paul had kind of corrupted uh, the teachings of Jesus and turned it more into a philosophy as opposed to a spiritual lesson. And yeah, he, he, he gives lessons of Jesus, but he also goes into all these philosophers. and They're not mentioned in the New Testament. Paul doesn't mention them, but we know that he was Greek and he was learned and he was following he knew in order to get the Gentiles into the fold that he was going to have to quote certain philosophy that could be found in Philo or, or uh, Aristotle, Socrates, Plato. Those were all Greek philosophers uh, that came from about 300 to 400 BC. And in order to get them away from their temporal gods, many, many gods, and into following the teachings of Christ, he had to incorporate a lot of philosophy in it. And we'll see in the story here again that there was a break between Paul and Abner. Abner was the um, the main apostle, uh, the head apostle of John the Baptist. And uh, Abner goes off to Philadelphia, stays in Perea, and goes on up to uh, Philadelphia uh, Lazarus and his sisters Mary and Martha uh, also go up there to uh, Philadelphia and then we find out that David Zebedee instead of going down into Jerusalem and following Paul who set up the church in Jerusalem uh, by probably taking over Mithras's temples and preaching um, the teachings of Jesus but also uh, philosophies philosophies they call it the Pauline Christianity and again it's a little frustrating when you go to church because it seems like all you ever get is Paul 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 I'm not putting him down but it's a shame that Jesus spent this time on this earth teaching people the right way to live and it's a very simple thing and that's the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, doing the Father's will. Do the Father's will. It's just over and over and over again. But even his apostles didn't want to listen to that. They just didn't want to listen to that. They wanted the Messiah. They wanted the Messiah to come. And so now Jesus is about ready to leave. And he's... Uh, He's going to head back to Jerusalem. He's going to leave Perea where he was pretty much protected because uh, Herod has come to hate Jesus now. 
he was a little bit sympathetic towards Jesus, but he got afraid. He, he got really afraid. Herod got afraid because uh, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And then what? The Sanhedrin called council together in, in Jerusalem and, and Bethany is, is not far. Uh, Bethany is uh, maybe you know a few miles away from Jerusalem. And I don't know what the name of that town might be called today. But Bethany is where Lazarus lived and his sisters Mary and, and Martha. And that doggone Sanhedrin, that council, the Congress, the police force, call them whatever you like, judges, courts, they wanted to kill Lazarus because Lazarus was raised from the dead. And that was a real threat, a real threat to uh, the Jewish way of life and the Jewish customs. So anyway, it's Friday. I got some people coming on and off, on and off. But um, hopefully, hopefully many of you will watch this today because it's uh, it's exciting and it's at the same time it's kind of gut wrenching uh, to know what's happening and you really feel for Jesus, Yeshua, Joshua because he just can't seem to get he just can't seem to get through to his apostles they just don't they still want that messiah and even though jesus tells them okay i'm going to die and i'm going to resurrect in 3 days they thought okay that's going to be the second coming of christ because okay if he is going to die he's going to come right back and now he's going to sit on david's throne and now he's going to smite all the enemies of the jews but it doesn't work out that way. It doesn't work out that way. Now, as I was saying, um, Marissa and I are, are uh, even though it's called Answers Heaven Speaks, what Marissa and I are doing is we are bridging the gap. There is a gap between Christianity, so-called Christianity. I mean, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of cults and sects of the Christian faith around the world. They all do lean on the Bible. They all do lean on the Bible. And many people are, are killed for reading the Bible. I mean, in China, you can't, don't you dare have a Bible in your possession in China because the communistic state is God, is the religion. <sighs> Drew's son uh, lived in China for a while as, a, uh, as an English teacher. And uh, I remember writing to him once saying, don't talk about God. Don't talk about Jesus. You know, we don't want you thrown into some gulag, some jail somewhere in China and be stuck there. So anyway, Marissa was teaching a class today, uh, I think from 1 o'clock to 4 o'clock on um, secular things, uh, learning how to find happiness um, and, uh, you know, lose weight and, have a good outlook on life and what have you. And, and I know Marissa, she tends to, her class was from one to four. And uh, sometimes she starts late and then she runs late. So we'll see if Marissa gets in today. Uh, but we're going to get started on this trip, this trip of Jesus now, uh, heading back into Jerusalem. And uh, I think the real, if we have 
for lack of another word, the fun starts next week, uh, next mo on Monday. But this one's a little bit sad because we know what's going to happen. And Jesus tries to explain to him, but it's just not getting through to these guys. So here we are. Let's get into it. It's Friday. Uh, happy Friday every day, uh, everybody. Happy uh, Veterans Day or Veterans Weekend, whatever it is, uh, for all you vets uh, who took time out of your life to uh, support your country and face possible death. And many of them did die. There's a lot of people in graves in Arlington Cemetery. You know, what's funny is uh, Arlington Cemetery was land given by Robert E. Lee. Robert E. Lee, uh, the great general of the South, um, when the war was over and the uh, Civil War was over, he gave over his land in Arlington uh, to the American government, the new-founded uh, U.S. government, combination of the North and the South combined together. And, uh, and there today, there today lay, uh, lay all the fallen soldiers, not all of them, but uh, a great many of the fallen soldiers, uh, from the wars from the Civil War on are in uh, Arlington Cemetery. And yet wackos want to tear down Robert E. Lee's statues because they go, oh, he was a slave owner and blah, blah, blah. But you can't take the mores of today and incorporate them into the time of our past. Our past is our past. And we've learned to overcome things that that we're not necessarily proud of. But you know what? The whole world has slavery. The world has slavery today. There is slavery today in countries all over the world. Look at China. China and the, and the Uyghurs. There's over a million Uyghurs. Now they're Muslims, but they're in concentration camps and they're slaves. And they make uh, goods and services that the Chinese government sells. Uh, to prosper themselves. So uh, there's slavery still today. I mean, there's slavery in the United States. I mean, you talk about kids in cages uh, on the border or whatever, but a great many of those kids have been kidnapped. Kidnapped. And then they're brought into the United States and they live as slaves, sex slaves. And some people will even kill them, kill them for their blood. And I think it's called adrenochrome, adrenochrome, or something like that. It supposedly uh, uh, keeps you young, which is insane. Drinking the blood of children. They excite children to get them so wound up, and then they get their blood at that time when they're all wound up, and then, then they drink it, and it's just sick. It's just sick. It's so perverted what's going on in this country and around the world right now. It's just insane. So anyway, let's get into the story here. How are we doing? We just, there's no way I'm going to get to everything that I wanted to get to today. But here we are now. Uh, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. The day after the memorable sermon on the kingdom of heaven, Jesus announced that on the following day, he and the apostles would depart for the Passover at Jerusalem and visiting numerous cities in southern Perea on the way. Again, they... They were still safe. They were still safe in Perea. Uh, yes, there was, uh, there was a uh, warrant for his arrest. And uh, 
a lot of people were going to be sending out word to let the Sanhedrin and the Sadducees and the Pharisees, whatever, to know if they come across Jesus. Well, it's going to be hard to miss him because there's going to be so many people that are following him as he comes down into Jerusalem. We'll get into it. The address on the kingdom and the announcement that he was going to the Passover set all his followers to thinking that he was going up to Jerusalem to inaugurate the temporal kingdom of Jewish supremacy. After what, year and a half, two years, two and a half years of teaching, teaching, teaching on, on the kingdom of heaven. And they still can't get it out of their heads that he's not going to be setting up a Jewish supremacy in Jerusalem. So no matter what Jesus said about the non-material character of the kingdom, he could not wholly remove from the minds of his Jewish hearers the idea that the Messiah was to establish some kind of nationalistic government with headquarters at Jerusalem. What Jesus said in his Sabbath sermon only tended to confuse the majority of his followers. Very few were enlightened by the Master's discourse. Very few were enlightened by his discourse on the kingdom of heaven. The leaders understood something of his teachings regarding the inner kingdom, the kingdom of heaven within you. But they also knew that he had spoken about another and a future kingdom. And it was this kingdom that they believed he was now going to go up to Jerusalem and establish. When they were disappointed in this expectation, when he was rejected by the Jews and later on when Jerusalem was literally destroyed, I think it was destroyed, uh, I think that's when the Jews destroyed the Maccabees in something like 70 AD. When Jerusalem was literally destroyed, they still clung to this hope, sincerely believing that the Master would soon return to the world in great power and majestic glory to establish the promised kingdom. And it was on this Sunday afternoon that Salome, Salome, uh, the mother of John and James Zebedee, and also David Zebedee, the mother of James and John Zebedee came to Jesus with her two apostle sons and in the manner of approaching an oriental potentate, sought to have Jesus promise in advance to grant whatever request she might make. I mean, that's... Not a good thing. Not a good thing. I mean, the Zebedees have been so good. The family of the Zebedees were so good to Jesus. Uh, they put him up. He lived with them. Uh, be, the father Zebedee was a, was a boat builder up in the Galilee, in Galilee, in the Sea of Galilee. Uh, I think Capernaum. And Jesus lived with them for a year. Jesus lived with the Zebedees for a year. So I guess Salome the mother of John and James and, and also David Zebedee wanted to ask Jesus for a favor. So she said, uh, let me say that again. It was on this Sunday afternoon at, that Salome, the mother of James and John Zebedee, came to Jesus with her two apostle sons, John and James, and in the manner of approaching an, an oriental, potentate, sought to have Jesus promise in advance to grant whatever request 
she might make. But the master would not promise. Instead, he asked her, what do you want me to do for you? And then Salome answered, Master, now that you're going up to Jerusalem to establish the kingdom, I would ask you in advance to promise me, promise me that these, my sons, shall have honor with you, the one to sit on your right hand and the other to sit on your left hand in your kingdom. When Jesus heard Salome's request, he said, Woman, you know not, you know not what you ask. And then, looking straight into the eyes of the two honor-seeking apostles, he said, quoting, this is Jesus, Because I have long known and loved you, because I have even lived in your mother's house, because Andrew has assigned you to be with me at all times, therefore, do you permit your mother to come to me secretly, making this unseemly request? Jesus goes on, he says, but let me ask you, are you able to drink the cup? Are you able to drink the cup I'm about to drink? End quote. And without a moment for thought, James and John answered, Yes, Master, we are able. And then Jesus said, I am saddened that you know not why we go up to Jerusalem. I am grieved that you understand not the nature of my kingdom. I'm disappointed that you bring your mother to make this request of me. But I know you love me in your hearts. Therefore, I declare that you shall indeed drink of my cup of bitterness and share in my humiliation. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give. Such honors are reserved for those who have been designated by my Father in heaven. And by this time, someone had carried word of this conference to Peter. So, you know, spies all around, ears, ears everywhere. I tell Tawny that she, my daughter, seven-year-old, she's eight years old now. Uh, I call her Dumbo because she's got ears. She hears everything. She hears everything except when we call for her to do something. When we want her to do something, oh, she, she doesn't even acknowledge, but Boy, Drew and I can be whispering, and she goes, What are you saying? I heard that. And in those days, there were always ears, always ears. So by this time, someone had carried word of this conference to Peter and the other apostles, and they were highly indignant that James and John would seek to be preferred before them, and that they would secretly go with their mother of all things to make such a request. So when they fell to arguing among themselves, Jesus called them all together. And Jesus told them, You well understand how the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over their subjects and how those who are great exercise authority. But it shall not be so in the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever would be great among you, let him first become your servant. He who would be first in the kingdom, let him become your minister. I declare to you that the Son of Man came not. Listen to this again. I declare to you that the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister. And I now go up to Jerusalem to lay down my life. 
in the doing of the Father's will and in the service of my brethren. When the apostles heard these words, they withdrew by themselves to pray. And that evening, in response to the labors of Peter, James, and John, made suitable apologies to the other ten and were restored to the good graces of their brethren. So they apologized. They apologized for what their mother had asked. In asking for places on the right hand and on the left hand of Jesus at Jerusalem, the sons of Zebedee little realized that in less than one month, we're down to the final month now, in less than one month, their beloved teacher would be hanging on a Roman cross with a dying thief on one side and another transgressor on the other side. And their mother, who was present at the crucifixion, well remembered the foolish request she had made of Jesus at Pella regarding the honors she so unwisely sought for her apostle's son. So now they're going to be leaving Pella. I mean, they're... Uh, It's interesting. He's got a lot of people. He's got a lot of people around him. So on the forenoon on Monday, March 13, A.D. 30. A.D. 30. Jesus would be, what, about 33 years old? 32, 33. Someone that, I think he was born on August 7th. I believe it was August 7th in... 3 or 4 B.C. I may have to double-check that. So he's 33, 32, 33, 34, somewhere in that neighborhood. On the forenoon of Monday, March 13, A.D. 30, Jesus and his 12 apostles took final leave of the Pella encampment. Remember, they, they had that encampment and they had uh, David Zebedee had set up this camp uh, for all the pilgrims that were going to be coming in and we're going to find out that originally it was to hold upwards of 1,500 people and it got to be almost 5,000 people that were staying at the camp in Pella. So they're about ready to take their final leave of the Pella encampment and starting south on their tour of the cities of southern Perea where Abner's, Abner's, Abner's associates, his, his apostles, John John the Baptist's apostles, were at work. They spent more than two weeks visiting among the 70. Remember the 70, the, the ordained 70. There was about 150 of them that wanted to become disciples of Jesus, but Jesus said, you have to give everything up. To follow me, you have to give everything up. Not in a socialistic, communistic way, but he said that you cannot be burdened uh, by the temporal things of life if you're going to be my ministers. And so uh, he has the 70 out there, and the 70, they just wander from town to town teaching and preaching uh, the kingdom of heaven, what Jesus wants to teach. And, and people put them up. Uh, they stay in houses and whatever, and, and uh, they're welcomed. And none of this is covered in, in, the, in the Gospels, in the New Testament. So it's really neat to see this, to hear this, to understand what was going on between all the things that Jesus does in the New Testament. 
you know, and you pretty much find what Jesus does in just uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John is probably the most complete. Luke is probably a close second. Um, I hope this thing isn't popping. Uh, my hair touches on that microphone. We get the pop, so I apologize for that. Oh, it's a quiet Friday. Quiet Friday. I know I'm going to have somewhere between 1,000 and 2,000 of you watch this, but um, everybody's off getting ready for their weekend. There must be, what, sports events or, you know, whatever, taking the kids out to dinner. Uh, it's that time of, time of the week, time to spend a little extra money and go have a good time with your family. Uh, go out to dinner or go to a ball game or something. So they spent more than two weeks visiting among the 70 and then went directly to Jerusalem for the Passover. When the master left Pella, the disciples encamped with the apostles. About 1,000, 1,000 in number, followed him. Now we're going to find out that there was actually about 5,000 of them. But 1,000 of them followed Jesus and head out towards Jerusalem with them. About one half of this group left him at the Jordan Ford on the road to Jericho when they learned he was going over to Heshbon. And after he had preached the sermon on counting the cost. Now I went into my Bible and I tried to look up counting the cost. That's a quote unquote counting the cost. And I couldn't find it. Uh, I could not find it. I can't find it in the, in the New Testament. But parts of it is probably incorporated into some other teachings uh, by Jesus, but uh, counting the cost, I couldn't find it. So he does a sermon on counting the cost, and they went on up to Jerusalem, while the other half followed him for two weeks. So he had a thousand, five hundred followed him, five hundred started heading up towards Jerusalem, getting ready for the Passover. And they were visiting the towns in southern Perea. They're still safe down there in Perea. And in a general way, most of Jesus' immediate followers understood that the camp at Pella now had been abandoned. But they really thought this indicated that their master at last intended to go to Jerusalem and lay claim to David's throne. Yes, they're still thinking. Yes. Jesus is going to go to Jerusalem. He's going to smite all the enemies. He's going to sit up on David's throne. He's going to dethrone Herod. It's amazing. Aye. Lay claim to David's throne. Wow. A large majority of his followers never were able to grasp any other concept of the kingdom of heaven. No matter what he taught them, they would not give up this Jewish idea of the kingdom, the kingdom ruled by the Messiah. Acting on the instructions of the apostles Andrew, David Zebedee closed the visitor's camp at Pella on Wednesday, March 15th, AD 30. And at this time, almost 4,000 visitors were in residence. And this doesn't include the 1,000 and more persons who sojourned with the apostles at what was known as the teacher's camp and who went south with Jesus and the 12. 
Much as David disliked to do it, he sold the entire equipment, tents and everything, to numerous buyers and proceeded with the funds to Jerusalem, subsequently turning the money over to, guess who? Judas Iscariot. So they sold everything at the camp in Pella, and they took the funds and gave them to Judas. Well, Judas, most people think that Matthew was a treasurer because he used to be a tax collector, but it was Judas Iscariot that carried the money bags. And then from Judas, Judas would give money to John, and John would give it to David Zebedee, and David Zebedee would uh, send out his messengers uh, up to uh, back up to Galilee, uh, where all of the apostles had come from to uh, help maintain the families of the apostles. So David was present in Jerusalem during the tragic last week, taking his mother back with him to Bethsaida after the crucifixion. And we haven't got that far yet. While awaiting Jesus and the apostles, David stopped with Lazarus at Bethany and became tremendously agitated by the manner in which the Pharisees had begun to persecute and harass him since his resurrection. I mean, what's that all about? I mean, seriously. Those Pharisees want to kill Lazarus because Jesus had raised him from the dead. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. So David stopped with Lazarus at, at Bethany and became tremendously agitated by the manner in which these Pharisees had begun to persecute and harass Lazarus since his resurrection. Andrew had directed David to discontinue the messenger service, and this was construed by all as an indication, here we go, indication of the early establishment of the kingdom at Jerusalem. So David found himself without a job. I mean, he was the head of the messenger corps. He was running the camp at Pella. And David found himself without a job. And he had about decided to become the self-appointed defender of Lazarus instead. When presently the object of his indignant solicitude fled in haste to Philadelphia. The object of his indignant solicitude fled in haste to Philadelphia. Accordingly, sometime after the resurrection and also after the death of his mother, David betook himself to Philadelphia. Having first assisted Martha and Mary in disposing of their real estate, all their property, remember? I mean, they were hated. They were loved. They were wealthy. The parents of, of Lazarus had had uh, accumulated uh, a great deal of land and, and crops. And, uh, and now they were, they were just bearing down. They, were, they wanted him dead. They wanted Lazarus dead. But Abner was up there in Philadelphia and had taken over the church and started up the church in Philadelphia. And so David assisted Martha and Mary in disposing of their real estate and there, in association with Abner and Lazarus, he, David Zebedee, spent the remainder of his life becoming the financial overseer of all those large interests of the kingdom. 
which had their center at Philadelphia during the lifetime of Abner. So within a short time after the destruction of Jerusalem, Antioch, now that's up in Greece, uh, Antioch, uh, and we talked about that. Jesus had gone to Antioch uh, when he was with, uh, with his caravan. But Antioch became the headquarters of the Pauline, Paul, the Pauline Christianity, while Philadelphia remained the center of the Abnerian, Abnerian kingdom of heaven. So from Antioch, the Pauline version of the teachings of Jesus and, and about Jesus spread to all the Western world. From Philadelphia, the missionaries of the Abnerian version of the kingdom of heaven spread throughout Mesopotamia, Persia, and Arabia until the latter times when these uncompromising emissaries of the teachings of Jesus were overwhelmed by the sudden rise of Islam. Islam goes back to the, uh, the firstborn child of Abraham, remember? Abraham had a child. She, he, didn't, he and his wife Sarah didn't think that they were going to have any kids. And, and Abraham had accumulated a great deal of wealth. And, uh, and he needed a son. And God wouldn't give him a son. So he went to his concubine and had a son, uh, was his name Ishmael? Ishmael, I think it was Ishmael. And, uh, and that was the founding because he was then kicked out uh, because finally uh, Sarah had Isaac and eventually had Isaac and Jacob. She had two sons. And uh, so Ishmael, because he came from a concubine, was pushed away. Uh, but... I'm guessing again it was Ishmael. So Ishmael had gone out and eventually became the founder of the so-called Muslim faith, even though Muhammad uh, was was the was the true leader of that. But that was that wasn't for another 600 years. Uh, Islam didn't come along until about 600 uh, A.D. So on counting the cost, I could not find this. I could not find counting the cost in the in the New Testament. I looked in the in the uh, bibliography. I looked in the uh, the index, and I couldn't find it. But it's kind of similar on counting the cost to some other things that Jesus had talked about. But on counting the cost, how are we doing? Got about 15 minutes. There's no way I'm going to get through this entire lesson today. We're going to be taking it on over into uh, into Monday. Keeping an eye out just in case uh, Marissa can make it in here. Don't have anybody on live today. That's really, really unusual. Something's going on out there in the world. Uh, it's Friday. It's a Friday. Uh, who wants to learn about Jesus on a Friday? But uh, we'll send this out. We'll send this out uh, around the world and see if we can get some people who will pay attention to what's going on again this is just this is gut-wrenching this is gut-wrenching because we know what's going to happen we know what's going to happen so now on counting the cost when jesus and the company of almost 1,000 followers again he's got a thousand people following him i mean you can imagine that's 
people all circled around him and lined up behind him, following him over through the various towns in Perea, southern Perea, before heading on into Jericho and Heshbon and, and then uh, eventually down to Bethany outside of Jerusalem. When Jesus and the company of almost 1,000 followers arrived at the Bethany Ford of the Jordan, sometimes called Bethabara, Bethabara, his disciples began to realize that he was not going directly to Jerusalem. While they hesitated and debated among themselves, Jesus climbed upon a huge stone and delivered that discourse, which has become known as counting the cost. And I couldn't find it. I, I, I thought there may be a different name for it, but I could not find it because I wanted to read it uh, in the Gospels. I couldn't find it. Maybe I'll try to find it, just in case I do a Sunday show this Sunday. Um, I like to stick strictly with the Bible, so I'll, I'll see what I can find. So counting the cost, the Master said, You who would follow after me from this time on must be willing to pay the price. Pay the price of wholehearted dedication to the doing of my Father's will. There it is. I mean, it's like over and over and over again. If you would be my disciples, you must be willing to forsake father, mother, wife, children, brothers, and sisters. That is where we find it in Luke, where Jesus says, you must hate your mother. You must hate your wife. You must hate your children, hate your brothers, hate your sisters. And I said, no. No, there's no way Jesus used the word hate. And you know what? In the Arantia account, he does not use that word. He does not use the word hate. He just says you must forsake them if you're going to take on the kingdom of heaven and be his emissary. You must be willing to forsake father, mother, wife, children, brothers, and sisters. If any one of you would now be my disciple, you must be willing to give up even your life just as the Son of Man is about to offer up his life for the completion of the mission of doing the Father's will on earth and in the flesh. Jesus says, quoting, If you are not willing to pay the full price, you can hardly be my disciple. Before you go further, you should each sit down and count the cost of being my disciple. Which one of you would undertake to build a watchtower on your lands without first sitting down. Let me keep my dogs from barking out there. Come on, puppy. So dark outside. It's dark. Ah, I hate standard time. You know, they, they don't want to change the clocks anymore, and I wish they would have left it at daylight savings time. I like it better when the sun stays up longer in the day. I mean, it gets dark so early, it's so depressing. Yipes. So anyway, Jesus is saying. He says, before you go further, you should each sit down and count the cost of being my disciple. Which one of you would undertake to build a watchtower on your lands without first sitting down to count up the cost to see whether you had money enough to complete it? If you fail thus to reckon the cost after you have laid the foundation, you may discover that you're unable to finish that which you have begun. And therefore will all your neighbors mock you, saying, Behold, this man began to build, but was unable to finish his work. 
Again, what king, when he prepares to make war upon another, down and take counsel as to whether he'll be able, will be able, with 10,000 men, to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? If the king cannot afford if the king cannot afford to meet his enemy because he is unprepared, he sends an embassy to this other king, even when he is yet a great way off, asking for terms of peace. Now then, must each of you sit down and count the cost of being my disciple? This is Jesus. From now on, you will not be able to follow after us, listening to the teaching and beholding the works. You'll be required to face bitter, bitter persecutions and to bear witness for this gospel in the face of crushing disappointment. If you're unwilling to renounce all that you are and to dedicate all that you have, then are you unworthy to be my disciple? If you have already conquered yourself within your own heart, you need have no fear of that outward victory which you must presently gain when the Son of Man is rejected by the chief priests and the Sadducees and is given into the hands of mocking unbelievers. And Jesus goes on, he says, Now should you examine yourself to find out your motive for being my disciple. If you seek honor and glory, if you are worldly minded, you are like the salt when it has lost its savor. And when that which is valued for its saltiness has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? Such a condiment is useless. It is fit only to be cast out among the refuse. Now have I warned you to turn back to your homes in peace. He's warning him. He says, now have I warned you to turn back to your home in peace if you're not willing to drink with me this cup which is being prepared. Again and again have I told you, this is Jesus still, again and again have I told you that my kingdom is not of this world. He keeps saying that they don't understand that. They can't understand that there's other habitable worlds out there in, in, in the skies. They, they don't understand it. Jesus was the creator of our universe, our entire universe. And he came down as a lowly man, just a lowly, lowly man. And he says, I've told you that my kingdom is not of this world, but you will not believe me. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what I say. How are we doing again on time? Let me, let me check. And I'm watching to see if Marissa's going to come in. Let me see. See how we're doing on time. Oh, my gosh. We're down to our last few minutes. Let me see how far I can get uh, on this. And we're going to continue it on Monday. Um, so immediately after speaking this words, Jesus, leading the twelve, started off on the way to Heshbon, followed by about 500. Now he's got 500. And after a brief delay, the other half of the multitude went on up to Jerusalem. He had a thousand, five hundred following him, the other five hundred have split, and they're expecting him to go into Jerusalem and sit on the throne of David. They just 
can't understand. They just can't seem to get it in their head that that's not what's going to happen. Because they're all followers of the Old Testament, of the, of the uh, uh, of the stories of the prophets foretelling the coming of the Messiah. So, you know, they're good Jews. They're, they're wanting Jesus to be the Messiah. Jesus is telling them, no, this isn't even my world. So his apostles, together with the leading disciples, thought much about these words. But still, they clung to the belief that after this brief period of adversity and trial, the kingdom would certainly be set up somewhat in accordance with their long-cherished hopes. So they're thinking that there was going to be a second coming of Christ. They're going, okay, you're going to die. You're going to die on a cross. Uh, you're telling us that's what's going to happen. And then you're going to be resurrected like Lazarus after three days. Okay, we heard that. You're telling us that. But then when you're resurrected, now you're going to be our Messiah. Now you're going to be sitting on that throne. And now you're going to be smiting all the Romans and, and all the Hittites and all the whoever's, the Gentiles. I should read uh, the, uh, uh, the Arantia account of the times of Jesus. It was actually a, a time of uh, a great deal of peace. There was a lot of peace at that time. So uh, anyway, I'm not sure if I, I should go any farther. I'm not going to get into the Perean tour. Um, we will save that for Monday. Uh, it gets exciting. It really does get exciting. But at the same time, it, it gives you that stomach roll, that stomach roll. Like, oh, my gosh, you know, oh, God, I know what's going to happen, but I don't want it to happen. Couldn't he change his mind? Couldn't he go ahead and be the Messiah anyway? But we'll see. They said that uh, more came from his death and resurrection than could have possibly happened had he sat on the throne of David and, and become a, a king, an actual king. I mean, don't forget when he was up there on Mount Hermon and he faced off uh, after his baptism with John the Baptist, Jesus took off and went up on Mount Hermon, was up there for 40 days. People were looking for him. They couldn't find him. And that's when he uh, confronted Lucifer. Uh, he also met with um, a whole lot of universe personalities and who had come down and had tried to counsel him, to tell him how he should live out his life uh, in the incarnated person of Yeshua ben Joseph. And Jesus just said, no, I'm just going to do what the Father wants me to do. So he had an inner knowing or whatever, or he had an inner feeling that all he had to do was give up his will to the Father. And that what would come from that was at the behest of the Father and not from his own will, his own mind. So he confronted Lucifer up on Mount Hermon and it was that at that time that Lucifer, you know, how can you give away something that you don't own? Lucifer said, I give you all the kingdoms of the earth. And he spread his arms wide. He said, I give you all the kingdoms of the earth. Just bow down to me. And Jesus said, no, no. Stand behind me. 
Stand behind me, Satan. Stand behind me, Lucifer. Stand behind me, devil. Of course, the devil, I think, was Caligastia. Caligastia was the prince of the earth at that time. And that was pretty much the time after Jesus' baptism that he, the, and confronting Lucifer, that he became, Jesus became the prince of earth, prince of earth for a time, for a time. Who continues as the prince of earth? Not sure. Not really sure right now. Not really sure. Um, but we'll get into that. We'll get into that a little bit, a little bit more. So uh, that just about does it for me for my hour today. Uh, I think Marissa is still in her teaching. She's doing some teaching. Um, I've, seen, I've seen a lot of people come in and out, in and out, in and out today. Uh, so it's Friday. That's the way it is. Um, sorry. Oh, no sound. No sound. Ay, ay, ay. Finishing our Garden of Eden. Oh. Let's see. Oh my gosh. Maybe this whole thing was wasted. I don't know. Oh my gosh. I can't even read who was on here. I can't. Uh... Oh darn. Hi Demi. Julia. Sorry. No sound from you. Oh I'm sorry Julia. And Sarah. Hi Sarah. Marissa you say you're here. Um, finishing our Garden of Eden meditation. Good. Good for you. Well, go ahead and finish that up. Let's just wrap it up. Uh, we'll we'll save your um, save your channeling for next week. Uh, Tawny's birthday party is tomorrow, and uh, so we've been working real hard to get the house ready and get the pool ready and get, getting painting done. Drew went to Topeka and got all the birthday stuff and and um, got some pizzas for everybody and drinks and and I think she's going to get a big bowl of ceviche for everybody but the kids will have a good time she also fixed uh tawny's trampoline so it looks brand new brand new and uh, the kids are going to have a great time tomorrow so anyway let's let's wrap it up uh, marissa i think you can find over at discoverintuition.com and uh you can see what she's up to uh, she's finishing up a, a separate class and um and i don't see her popping in so let's call it a day let's call it a week and thanks for those of you who, who came in and out. Um, this is an interesting one, and uh, we'll get it boosted out and, and get it out to the world as far as we can get it. And uh, again, I thank you so much for uh, coming in and being part of our life here today. Uh, we call it uh, Answers Heaven Speaks. That's because I like to ask questions. And Marissa gets the, has the ability to talk to universe personalities all the way from the father all the way down through guides and and our souls and our spirits and the holy spirit and and uh oh my gosh the apostles uh we like to talk to peter a lot peter's really cool john's kind of gruff uh rosemary who nobody knows about because it's not in the gospels uh rosemary was um sort of like a groupie and uh, she pops into our books. You can find our books at discoverintuition.com and uh, see what's there. And uh, Marissa's pretty generous. She gives a lot of things away. So um, if you don't have money and you don't want to buy a book or whatever, um, just ask. Just ask her if, if she can send you the PDF uh, of one of our books, whatever book you might uh, have an interest in. And uh, she'll make sure you get it and you can read it on your on your tablet. Um, 
And we also have uh, a number of the books that we've done. Most of them uh, are on audio. So uh, if you're not the kind of person that likes to read, uh, but it's better to listen, um, then ask her for the audio book. And uh, it's just me. And, uh, and it's interesting. Our books are very, very interesting. So anyway, that's it for me, Joe Morris, uh, Answers Heaven Speaks uh, for a Friday. Uh, today is what, November 11th? 11-11, don't forget, it was 11-11-11 when the earth shifted. So how many years? We, it's been now 11 years since 11-11-11. All those 11s, 11-11-11, and it's been 11 years. Um, great things, great things happening to the children uh, that have been born since uh, November 11th of 2011. And you need to oh, hold them tight. Those, those kids... Those kids, they are our future if we can get there. They are going to save the world because they are fifth dimensional. All these kids are fifth dimensional. And uh, that's why they're being persecuted. That's why the devil is putting in so much perversion, chasing after the kids, trying to mess with their heads, messing with their heads. All that perversion because they want to corrupt. They want to corrupt these Beautiful, beautiful children. All the children around the world, the entire world, not just the United States, not just Australia, not just South, South, uh, South America, but all around the world, all those kids that have been born since 11, 11, 11. Um, they're very special. They're very, very special. And Lucifer knows that. And Lucifer wants to corrupt them, corrupt them with, with people who just have evil in their hearts. Think they're doing good to corrupt these children sickening sickening absolutely sickening so uh, we'll see how it all goes but just pray for the kids and uh, that's it um, Marissa sorry we didn't catch you today uh, have yourself a great weekend and uh, I'll catch uh, we'll catch Marissa on uh, on the flip side on uh, on Monday when we continue the tour and that's that's when Jesus is going to head on into Jerusalem. So lots of good things going to be happening. Well, not necessarily good, but exciting things. Exciting things are going to be happening. We're going to learn a lot of lessons. So hopefully you learned something today. Something, something, something. Again, you don't have to watch the whole hour of this or sometimes an hour and a half of this. Sometimes there's just enough, just enough to touch your heart and uh, so that you too can become a sower. Uh, and that's all I am. I'm just a sower. Uh, God has given me the seeds, and I'm delivering the seeds. And sometimes it falls in good soil, so that someday you can be a sower. You too can be a sower. And, uh, and all the sowers will multiply, 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 so that we can get over the Pauline Christianity and get back to the kingdom of heaven and doing the will of the Father. Do the will of the Father. So have yourself a great Friday evening. Have yourself a really enjoyable weekend. Happy. Be happy. And uh, God willing, I'll be back here again on Monday. I might come in on Sunday. We'll see. I like football. So uh, I might get all wrapped up in football and not have a chance to put something together. But if the Spirit guides me and, and, uh, and encourages me, um, I'll get back here on Sunday. I'll take tomorrow off. Uh, we're going to have Tawny's birthday party. Uh, but Sunday, I may have something biblical to go over. 
It just, uh, it's whether I'm inspired or not. But if not, I'll be back here on Monday, God willing. So, Joe Morris, Answers Heaven Speaks. God bless all of you. Have yourself a great Veterans Veterans Day weekend. Veterans, again, tip your hat to a veteran. Uh, we'd be wearing uh, we'd be wearing some Nazi flags uh, if it wasn't for our generations who fought for this country and gave the ultimate sacrifice of their lives. So uh, God bless all you veterans out there, and uh, God bless all of you. Have a great weekend. Be happy. Take care. Joe Morris.